How should ChatGPT be used for SEO? Welcome to the Majestic SEO podcast and live stream. I'm your host, David Bain, and today we're talking ChatGPT for SEO. Specifically, is ChatGPT a great opportunity to speed up your SEO activities? And if so, how can you best use ChatGPT to enhance what you're currently doing? So let's get straight in there and introduce today's panel. So starting off with Garrett. Hey everyone, Garrett Sussman, Demand Generation Manager at digital marketing agency IPO Rank. I'm the host of the SEO Weekly and the Rankable Podcast and excited to talk about this new technology that's impacting all of us in SEO. Indeed, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, next up is Alize. Hello everyone, I'm Alize. I'm a... French international SEO freelancer consultant, adding keywords to the list as an SEO would do. And um, yeah, I've been playing around a little bit with ChatGPT for a couple of months. I learned a lot and it saved me tons of hours. So excited to talk about this as well. Sounds exciting. And um, also joining us today is Ken. Everybody, uh, Ken Magma Marshall. You can ask me about the Magma on LinkedIn, but I'm the chief growth officer at Revenue Zen. Um, Everything that has to do with organic growth, acceleration, and marketing, I'm all about, including SEO. And yeah, I've been as a you know as a CGO, I've been tinkering with ChatGPT since it came out, and I love to talk about the pros and the cons. So I can't wait. Absolutely, thanks, Ken. And um, also with us is Joe. Hi, um, I'm Joe. I am the digital PR manager at Salient Search Marketing, uh, based in the northwest of England. Um, I was very concerned about what chat uh, GPT would mean for for my industry, but I'm I'm becoming um, I'm becoming warmer to the idea of it being used for productivity uh, and not to hopefully replace myself and my team. Chat GPT is quite a mouthful until you get um, used to it, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> maybe one of the questions should be: Should it be rebranded for the general public? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see if we get to that. And also joining us today is Gabriella. Hey, um, Gabriella Sanino. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Level Three Four Three an international marketing and SEO company out of San Francisco. Um, I've been doing this over 25 years. So when ChatGPT came out, I was like, wow, a new toy. Let me take a look. And so I'm really, really excited to, uh, to dive into today's conversation with a bunch of pros that I follow. So looking a forward bunch of to pros it. And indeed, um, representatives from Europe against the US. So let's see who, who wins in terms of knowledge bombs today. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be equal. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, shall we go back to <laughs> the first um, chat to introduce himself, Garrett. Garrett, um, how big a game changer is ChatGTP for SEO? Well, I think it. the thing I'll caveat everything with is that we are at the nascence of these types of tools. Um, you know, AI generation tools have been around for 10 years, that 10 plus years. That said, I feel like the accessibility of ChatGPT, that it doesn't have like the friction that you'd have from some of the other paid tools is going to open up a lot of productivity opportunities, efficiency opportunities. And I think it is a paradigm game changer in the way that we 
can create content. It's not a replacement, but it's a tool. And I think it's going to open up so many opportunities for SEOs and content creators alike. Superb. Okay. We've got 25 people watching us live at the moment. We'll probably even get more people watching us live. If you're watching us live and you've got an opinion in terms of how you're using chat GPT effectively at the moment, let us know how you're using it. We'll discuss that. Uh, and if you've got any questions about it, how you should be using it in your type of business, let us know. We'll try and incorporate that into the conversation as well. Gabrielle, you were saying beforehand that you're getting people that are not involved in tech or the SEO industry asking you about ChatGDP. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, you know, I have a couple of friends that are professors here, whether it's Berkeley or Stanford. I mean, I don't mean to name drop, but those are the top universities in in uh, San Francisco. Um, and they're calling me, uh, you know, Gabriella, because they know I, I work online and, and I work with SEO and content marketing and so on and so forth. And uh, one of the questions was, you know, how, how can I tell if, if my students are, you know, doing their papers with ChatGPT? And I said, why do you care? Um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, if they're doing the homework and they're actually learning something and, you know, because it's only going to give them so much information, they're still going to have to do the research. They're still going to have to, you know, verify. They're still going to have to give you resources. They're still going to have to go back to, is this true real? Is this true? You know, and that's one of the things that I've noticed a lot of the different chat GPTs out there, the chat bots. Uh, from WordLift to Jasper to, you know, they're being, um, they're giving you the sources and that, hello, that's a game changer for me. I'm no longer having to just listen to what this bot is telling me. I can verify it. And, um, you know, I've embraced it a little more. As Elise said earlier, she wasn't sure whether she's warming up to it or maybe it was Joe, Uh, but I'm, I'm totally warming up to it. So, so yeah. Alize, do you care if your students use ChatGPT to do their homework? Absolutely not. <laughs> On the contrary, um, the students I have are in master's degrees in business and um, some of them in IT. If they don't use it right now, where the consequences of them using it are maybe having some little issues with the school administration, well, they might be behind the wave when they start working and I don't want that for them. So that's what I actually, I, I just tell them again and again, try it, use it. If you have an idea, submit it to ChatGPT, try it out. In the worst case, it works and you learn something or you gain a couple of hours or like in my case, you start learning Python when it's been on your to-do list for the past three and a half years and you decide to try it out with ChatGPT and you actually learn something and create tools that actually help your productivity. So yeah, it's just full of opportunities and it's going to be there. So they might as well get used to it. Got to be the attitude, right? Like how big of a game changer? It's like, okay, when technical SEOs are super upset when Moz and Ahrefs comes out with these crawls that can't charge five grand anymore for a checklist. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get no code tools like Bubble and developers are like, it's the end of the world. Well, they're going to happen anyway. Progress doesn't stop. So let's sort of lean in and tinker and figure out how we can use this stuff, right? So we don't get left behind. I think you're all spot on. Is ChatGPT going to replace SEOs in a couple of years time, Ken? I've been saying this for, what, three, four years now, that SEO as a function 
will continue to change and morph into more around user experience, user engagement mapping and search experience. We've already seen that with all the algorithmic updates with like, you know, rank brain and these different these different user experience type updates. But I think people get so caught in the weeds of their identity that I'm an SEO and I do these things to game Google's system versus how can I leverage knowledge and technology and human, you know, ability and bandwidth to help people move through their, you know, customer journey or user journey. That's all that I really care about is helping users and customers solve problems. Um, so yeah, I do think they're going to be replaced. They've always been replaced by tools, but the ones who don't get replaced are more like I'm the director of this tool and the advisor, the trusted advisor to my client or user, and they win because they use the tools to augment themselves properly. So that's what we're doing over here. <laughs> or trying. And Joe, to. you work in digital PR, um, specifically reactive PR newsjacking. Are you actually actively using ChatGTP in your content generation? Yeah, um, I was really worried that it would be a, a negative thing that you would see people um, newsjacking really quickly by just creating this content that they hadn't checked on, on chat GDP and they'd be using it to kind of um, snipe people that were, you know, doing really well thought out, helpful analysis. Um, and actually, I don't think that is the case. I think you know, journalists that, that use this content are they're smart people. They they can tell a really good thought out piece of uh, thought leadership from something that's been generated quite quickly um, and perhaps is missing context or missing um, human lived experience. Which, much like SEO, um, journalism is about speaking to people about their experiences. Um, but actually, there are there are things that I'm using it for um, subject lines. If I've got to newsjack a story and my my energy is going into creating that content, checking that content, getting it signed off from a client potentially. Um, I don't always have the time I would like to spend to create that really, really witty subject line. Um, we've been trialing using using the product for that and it's working really well. It's not quite got the hang that it needs to be a really short, snappy uh, piece of writing yet, but it can generate enough of them that we can then, as humans, edit them and chop them down and, and we've, got, we've got a list to pick from, um, you know. There are for newsjacking. Yeah, it does have its uses, but content creation alone isn't isn't really one of them. So, so how do you practically use that then, Joe, to, to actually get it to learn um, what you like and and how to improve on what it's done previously? Do you actually continue on the same thread of the conversation uh, to do that? I, yeah, I'm sort of training it, I guess. Um, you know, you ask it for a couple of subject lines around um, a topic um, and it'll come back with something maybe 15, 16 words long. Um, you know, that that's too long for a headline. It's too long for an email subject line. I'll just go back to it and say, hey, can you can you give me this again, but shorter in less words? Um, and, you know, I guess eventually if enough of us are doing that, journalists and digital PRs, it'll, you know, it'll learn and it'll get quicker at it. Um, very quickly, I'm sure if there are tens of thousands of um, yeah. journalists doing the same thing, if not more. Garrett, how, how do you actually practically use ChatGPT yourself at the moment? Yeah, so the way I use it is I will, you know, big caveat, which we all touched on at the beginning of this, is that understanding the limitations of the tool is really important when you go to content creation. Like we're not at a point where you can just be like create an entire blog post and expect it to have value. So I use it prior primarily in short bursts of short snippets of content that are easily edible and easy, easily verifiable because a lot of folks are trying to use these workflows as shortcuts 
And we're realizing that at this point, the technology still requires a lot of human handholding. So I'll do, you know, to Joe's point, a lot of ideation to inspire me to then text my, take my content to the next level. Because the reality is ChatGPT is trained on so much information starting up to 2021 on the internet, including things like Reddit, you know? So there's a lot of content out there that can be helpful, especially using it specifically for Evergreen. Um, and I also kind of like creating a use cases with it to basically have it spur my creativity for specific support evidence without necessarily linking, but ideas of how things can be supported in a use case perspective. So and, and just touching the surface, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into all the technical SEO opportunities there, but those are my main use cases right now. And Ken, your role is CGR, Chief CGO. Officer. <laughs> CGO. Yeah. I didn't even get that right. Yeah, it was the fancy <laughs> millennial talk. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 the, the show shows I'm not a millennial. <laughs> but anyway, um, how do you practically use chat GTP in a growth type role? Yeah, so I mean... For me, it was about treating it as a playground. I mean, they literally have a playground for opening. <laughs> but um, so here's just a few things off the top of my head that Joe and Garrett mentioned. So if you're going to be doing PR, I was like, okay, I'm a you know, B2B SEO agency and I want to do some guest posting. I need a list of 20 companies that offer guest posting and they need to mention that on the site. And it was able to replicate that. So that's some PR targets. Very basic. Content workflows. Um, here's a target term create an outline for me with this tone of voice. After you create that outline, I want you to make it in this, this is our brand voice, like and codify or codified it. This is our brand voice. Now rewrite the outline for our brand voice. Now create section by section, like Garrett said, an article for me based on the outline you just gave me. So that's content production. I wanted to see if I can make tools with it. So coding, um, somebody mentioned that, that's brilliant. And so I wanted, we're buying a home. So I made a home loan calculator <laughs> and a few different prompts, right? It gave me the values, the average mortgage prices in San Luis Obispo, and then it built the formula out with those averages. So, I mean, that's just a few things. And that's what my role has been playing with the upper and lower limits, knowing that the tool can only realize about, you know, 5,000 pieces of text in terms of previous history of training. So you can't train it endlessly. And then it can only create about a thousand words at a time. So don't try to create a 5,000 word blog post. It can't do it. So really just exercising, um, those, you know, the tool and figuring out what its limits are has been my my day to day for the last few months. Um, you know, as much as I possibly can get away with. <laughs> I would imagine that a great opportunity um, could be to actually um, train it on, on a very specific task, and then ideally be able to to, to sell um, the ability to do that task to someone else, or to have multiple people uh, train them on a specific task to actually get them very very good at that specific task and and, and sell that. Do do you see? that chat GTP may actually evolve in that kind of way? I absolutely think prompt engineer will be like an up and coming hot job. If not, I don't know what the other top five jobs will be, but I just know like VAs will change their titles to like prompt engineers and they should. It's really amazing. And some people don't have the time to learn how to train these very specific nuanced prompts to Garrett's point. There's way more limitations, I think, than people realize like, than the opportunities right now for that interface. I think the AI, the, the language model is great, but the tool is very limited. So I think that's um, going to be a pretty big opportunity. And 
I think people should charge people for things they know how to do. So, and to, <laughs> yeah. to Ken's point, actually, when you were asking earlier about whether SEO, you know, whether ChatGPT is going to replace SEOs, I think if anything, it's going to evolve. You know, it's really hard to predict the role of an SEO in the future, whether that's more of a kind of merging of editor, content creator, you know, strategist, because you also mentioned, Ken, this whole idea of like mapping out your keywords. Uh, Gianluca Fiorelli, who is I love SEO.net, wrote this great post in June all about the messy middle and how Google is continually trying to refine our queries and whether they integrate BART at some point. You know, as an SEO, we're always going to have to have that human strategy of you know, addressing every point of the funnel. And that's just going to look different as these, these generative tools kind of evolve. I loved um, Ken saying that um, VAs are going to be changing their job titles to prompt engineer and then perhaps doubling their hourly hour rate as a, as a result of doing that. Um, Alize, what kind of prompts have you been using and, and what kind of tasks have you been training for? So I've tried a few things. In terms of pure international SEO, I've tried uh, doing translations just to see how it was doing. Not good. Well, good for the simple stuff. Uh, I asked it to translate um, a piece of text from the New Yorker that mentioned the word turbocharged, which is very complicated to like, yeah, make a, make sense of in another language. Um, the result was appalling. Um, so anything that has some figurative speech is not good. Um, I've tried doing some cultural, ad cultural adaptations for content ideation. So asking it to uh, create content for a bakery in Strasbourg or a bakery in Bordeaux, which are two very different places and sell two very different types of pastries. Uh, it wasn't capable of giving me anything that would differentiate. But then I tried it about um, a gardening blog in Finland and a gardening blog in Morocco. And it understood that the, the, um, yeah, the problems gardeners in those two countries were facing were drastically different. For Morocco, it suggested some content around irrigation. For um, Finland, things about uh, yeah, the type of produce you might want to, to have in cold climates and things like that. So... I tried a few things here and there, um, still figuring out exactly what to do with it. And then it's been a lot of conversational stuff about, yeah, teach me how to do this tool in Python because I want to understand and do something that is useful for me and that I understand. And I also use it as a colleague of some sorts, as a sounding yes. board. Um, anytime, because as a freelancer, I'm very alone in my day to day. And sometimes I'm just not sure and I get it. You know, you get in your head and you think about things and you're not sure what to do or you're not sure how to say things or to write an email to a client when it's eight o'clock and you just want to go and eat your dinner, that kind of thing. And I just, just put out my ideas, my bullet points in there and ask it to do something for me. And that helps massively to simplify my to-do list, make it a breeze. Those little tasks that I would spend hours on and, you know, the ones you think about all day long, procrastinating to the very last minute because you really don't want to do them because they're just so simple, but you really don't want to do them. For those things, ChatGPT has been a lifesaver and has helped massively with just the mental health even side of freelancing, honestly. 
Gabriella, you talked a little bit beforehand about the dangers of using ChatGTP for certain tasks. Um, so what SEO tasks shouldn't be automated using ChatGTP? Well, um, ultimately, uh, there are a few things that I've, I've been discussing with a couple of colleagues uh, where we do use, um, you know, ChatGPT, whether it's to give us a block of content uh, because we were stuck, we couldn't think of something new. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed uh, going to Alize's point, you know, the translation no, <laughs> don't do that. Um, it, I mean, even Google Translate doesn't get it right. So especially when it comes to cultural nuances, you know, the differences between, uh, you know, north of France versus the south of France, same thing with Italy, same thing with the Middle East. So in that aspect, um, they still haven't become sophisticated enough within the, the parameters of what the prompts are and the prompts aren't. Um, another thing that I actually even told a friend of mine, uh, which uh, one of my colleagues gave me a link and I'll, I'll share with you, uh, David, to, you know, to add to, to this discussion okay. was uh, where it gives you the prompts already because a lot of people have no clue uh, <clears throat> how to use mm. the prompts. Um, it's a wonderful uh, website. It's got examples from Q&A, grammar corrections, you know, summarizing text to commands. And maybe they should get paid more, Ken, because they are going to become uh, engineers when it comes to creating, uh, you know, the, the, the prompts that, that are needed. Um, so in that aspect, um, uh, one of the things that um, I, I, I shy away from, because SEO does take a lot of time and a lot of people, you know, think, oh, yeah, no, you can uh, do it, you know, turn it on and walk away. Uh, you know, you can automate it. No, um, that's not that's not what automating means, especially when you're, um, you know, uh, responding to Q&A. That's another uh, way that that we've noticed uh, people are using it, uh, where it provides automated responses to common customer inquiries. It's great. Boom. You ask the questions and it gives you three, four answers. Guess what? that's done, right? And you throw it up on the, you know, the Q&A of the back end, you give it to your web developer and you say, here's some Q&As, you know, please add them to our contact page, you know, in case people have some questions. So in that aspect, it's great, but you still have to go back and you still have to read and you still have to make sure that the recommendations, as Alize mentioned, whether for the gardener from, you know, Finland versus the gardener in Morocco, if it's actually a factual, you know, if it's true, um, I don't want to go uh, outside of SEO, but we've seen what it's done outside of SEO, where it's pulled in political figures that supposedly said this, but they didn't. So there's some dangers. Uh, but within SEO, eh, I don't know. I, I, I love it. So I'm, I'm a cheerleader. I'm not, you know, a, you know, poo poo on that. I, I'm, I'm a big chat job on uh, GPT cheerleader. So. I'm staying on dangers for a second. Does anyone have any concerns about um, the, the the facts uh, that chat GTP actually comes up with and whether or not um, maybe politically or um, the information that um, they come up with is, um, is based upon some kind of angle, but not necessarily uh, completely impartial? Um, is, 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 does anyone have that kind of concern? And, and if so, do they do any checks on the content, the answers that it comes up with? Um, I think, well, I mean, one of the things, obviously, working with journalists day in, day out, and, you know, I used to be a journalist myself, and if anyone knows anything about the libel laws in the UK, um, misquoting anyone, um, whether it be a politician or a, a head of business, is a 
a genuine risk. It, it can it it could sink a company. It could sink an agency if you get a libel suit uh, slapped on you in the UK. Um, you know, you use it as a researcher. That's what it is. I, I think it was Elise that said she treats it as a colleague. Um, if I had a junior colleague that I was employed in a in a research capacity, I would take their work and I would use that to inform my work. I wouldn't be publishing it um, without checking it. I wouldn't be sharing it with journalists or with you know business leaders, for example, without fact checking it, verifying sources. Um, one of the things that, that one of my team, um, one of my data analysts has been using it for is um, asking it to suggest data, data sets. Um, his mm-hmm. job for me used to be that he would go away and look for data sets that we could do big data led digital PR campaigns out of. Um, you know, he said when he first started using it, he was asking it for this data. Um, but he realized that actually it's far safer to use it to get it to suggest for places where he can look for the data sets, where he can then go off the platform and, go, you know, take that to Google, take that take that elsewhere to an academic journal and, and see it um, in its natural habitat rather than just trusting that the uh, the data that was being provided was was accurate and could be used for for a campaign. What about using ChatGPT in conjunction with other software? When I, I've been a fan of Zapier in the past, and I've, I've used it to tie lots of different um, pieces of software together. I noticed that um, you can connect OpenAI with Zapier. I haven't actually tried it yet. Uh, but is anyone actually actively um, pulling uh, ChatGTP together with other software to increase the effectiveness of um, uh, its parts? Uh, I've actually tried it with uh, Google Sheets and uh, Danny Richmond's tool about uh, generating alt tags for images. And then I created another one to generate meta descriptions and meta tags just to have a look at what the results were. And um, it saved me a lot of time <laughs> just having, you know, having that first basis to work from. Um, and it, it works well for me. Um, you just have to, yeah, Ask ChatGPT to explain to you how AppScript works, and then integrate it. But it's for educate. I see it as an educational project more than, um, uh, yeah. First and foremost, an educational project myself. And then if it results in a tool that actually saves me hours and hours, then it's great. But at least I will have learned something. So that's the way I've used it with uh, Google Sheets so far. Superb. Yeah, I think I haven't used any. Um... Like I haven't integrated it, you know, with any of like their API functions, but I think there's some efficiencies that people in our industry can use. Like, so Gabriella, Joe, I think you hit it spot on that the QA is terrible, like quality assurance, the human aspects of QA. And then also it literally just lies like <laughs> inaccurate information. And it's, you know, it doesn't know any better. Right. So every time we do any piece of content, it automatically gets ran through a plagiarism tool through Grammarly. Um, and I mean, even if you just blanket accept, it's almost always going to be better um, than if you don't. Or, you know, GPT for Sheets and Google Docs, that extension is amazing. Like, let's say you you have a seed keyword list or you have you need a list of things to be pulled and imported into your tools. It can format the headers for you and then auto generate each column um, based on the information you'd want to you'd want to query in your tool. Right. So I think there's a lot of efficiencies like that of tools you can use to augment the limitations um, that anyone can use and use for free in most cases. But I'd be interested to hear about more advanced use cases um, if anybody's got them. 
Garrett, Joe, or, or um, Gabriella, uh, uh, anything else you'd like to add in terms of tools and um, marrying ChatGPT with um, other software? Oh, Joe, you want to go first? I'll go. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, this isn't my bag. Um, <laughs> I would need to ask uh, chat, I'd need to ask the program how to do that. Um, I really did like what um, Elise was saying, actually, about using it as a teacher. Um, I've spoken to colleagues, friends, you know, people in the industry, and they are doing exactly that. They are getting the program to train them on things that perhaps they don't have time to go into a course in. Um, perhaps they don't have, you know, the resources in-house where they work or they're a freelancer. Um so yeah, I am really fascinated, like like Ken said, by some of the more advanced use cases I am seeing, um, the APIs people are using with it. Um I I will be a very interested observer, but I would not be the uh I would not be the <laughs> leading light on that at this stage, I wouldn't say. It's experimental for everyone at the moment, um, isn't it? Um, I mean, Gabriella, do, do, do you want to add anything to that or should we just move um, on? Actually, to no, I, I'm yeah. piggybacking on what everyone has said. Um, I'm I'm the cheerleader waiting for the next, you know, um, wonderful article or API integration so we mm. can test it. Um, I'm not techie at all. I leave that to my techie team. Um, you know, I, I um, but but I have started to look at other tools that are integrating um you know, and, and not to give people plugins or but plugs, but, you know, a couple of Italian engineers, Sony Italiana, so of course I'm going to plug my people, um, you know, topically.io, uh, they grab all the keywords, they do mapping. Wow. You know, Andrea Volpini, same thing, you know, with WordLift, he's doing all... So I'm letting yeah. the real people that know how to play with this do it, and I'm just, you know, following. So... That's that's what yeah. I have to add to that. And to, and to Gabrielle's point and Dave's point, just the, the whole API is a different animal than ChatGPT because with the API, you start to get out of the limitations of that interface and that sandbox. So for instance, on LinkedIn, I've been seeing uh, Kristen Tinsky of Fractal has been posting some fascinating Python scripts. One use case that was really interesting was all around um, audience research and persona development. So basically being able to train it to spit out you know, on the persona type that you want for the industry niche, all different types of, you know, insights and attributes for that persona that you can then use to map out the content for your keyword strategy. So there's a lot of opportunities and creativity once you get outside of the chat GPT interface um, and you're using the API for those tools. And then obviously beyond that, I think beyond SEO, there's going to be a lot of content creation opportunities, you know, in terms of social and, you know, as Ken was mentioning around voice and brand, really being able to train it on larger libraries of your own documentation to then produce more accurate, like voice and brand content that you want to create. So I expect that to accelerate. And then, you know, We've seen a lot of weirdness with Bing's integration um, and Sydney, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that ultimately impacts SEO in general and the way that people use search, which I think we'll touch on. I'd also like to talk a little bit about how this is impacting the way that you use um, employees or outsourcers. Uh, for example, 
do you actually come up with the system yourself and give them the system and ask them to do it? Um, do you give them more leeway into actually coming up with a better way of um, managing ChatGPT? Um, Gabriella, you, you mentioned that you, you, you've got a couple of people that, um, that, that do some work for you. Um, how have you gone about this? Um, well, I use a couple of tools, uh, not just ChatGPT. I use Jasper as well, and I use Semrush. They have a content development template, SEO, you know. So I take a couple of things. For example, um, I'll take a title, uh, drop it into the template, and then, you know, Semrush gives me some ideas of other uh, places that are, you know, working on the same thing, gives me links. So I look at that. It also gives me entity keywords. So I take a look at that. So I grab the titles, the URLs, the entities. I put together, you know, a synopsis and I send it to the writer and I say, write me this. Um, you know, you could do that with any writer now because you have uh, so much more information than just, you know, here's the topic, here's the synopsis here. You know, now we have not just uh, meaning to the, to the article, but relevance. And now we have a way to, you know, put it all under one umbrella where we have entity, knowledge graph, links, uh, resources. Wow. Uh, so my editor now just has to go in, make sure the grammar looks good, make sure that the image is fine. So it's cut not just our workload, but also our budget. You know, I no longer have to pay, you know, the editor, uh, the writer and uh, the coder to make sure it all works. Right. Because I've already, you know, checked off a couple of things uh, that the chat GPT has done for us. So um, in that way, it, it, it has helped. And I know that a couple of my tech guys have used it for um, uh, structural data. Uh, you know, to double back and check it, you know, and again, you have to know how to ask uh, because I said, well, it doesn't work. I've tried it. I said, you know, do this and it didn't give me anything. And so she came back. She said, well, you're asking it wrong. You know, this is what you need to ask. This is the following structured data can be added to a surface page. And you give them the, the service page, you know, about uh, that particular keyword in the city. And then boom, all of a sudden I got all this code, which is Chinese to me. I have no clue what it means. I know it's, you know, you're supposed to put it on the page. Page, uh, but it gave me all the important information, the name, the description, the image, the services, the type, the city. I was blown away. I was like, wow. So now we don't need to hire that extra, you know, step because it will, uh, obviously, uh, my, my, my techie person has to go back and check it, but it's got her time by hours, hours, especially when we have huge sites um, that we have to either audit or we have to, uh, you know, write new content for. So, so yeah, yeah, there you have it. Ken, um, what Gabriella said there, you're asking it wrong, is absolutely key, isn't it? Because um, if you don't, um, I guess, give enough context and ask in the right manner, then you're not going to come up with the optimum manner. So do you have a, a kind of a set of questions and a, a way of setting up that you, you provide team members with in order, in order to optimize their, their use of ChatGTP? Yeah, actually, Gabriella, I think that's so funny because I've had those moments and heard them from the team as well of like, this doesn't do X, Y, and Z. And I'm always like, I think the fallacy there is that we don't know enough to know what we don't know. So let's not assume that it can't do something. Rather, we don't know how to <laughs> tell it what to do. And so I think the first step for us was really just after I got done playing with it is saying, okay, 
everyone has to play with this. I don't care how you play with it, but you're going to go play with it and we're going to integrate this in the near future. So tell me what you come up with. And everyone's confused and a little frustrated and like this thing doesn't work. Then it's like, okay, we gave them some parameters. So we're going to create an article and everyone's going to bring their favorite about their favorite subject. And you give them a sandbox. So an SOP, you know, little operating procedure of, well, here's how to make you make it make you a brief and suggest terms. And so I think just getting people to understand why you're using any new tool or new process is the first step, the buy-in, the explanation, letting them play then they can inform the process, but you have to give them a playground or a sandbox to sort of exist within. Or I think it's overwhelming if you're not a CGO who's sort of a mad scientist, like it can be overwhelming and maybe they don't want to fail. So for the team members, I think um, setting the stage, giving them somewhere to play in, you know, a sandbox set of procedures, and then refining it with like very intentional coaching and training um, is the way to go. And that's sort of how we've, we've done it internally. But yeah, without the right understanding of something, the nature of it, any tool, you're not going to be able to get the right output. And so we always challenged our thinking. I still do myself, but also the team. You can't say this doesn't work. You have to continue beating your head against the wall with other people's help until you definitively know that it doesn't after you feel a level of mastery. And I think that's a much more beautiful way to exist than just you know saying something doesn't work, uh, so to speak. It's such a good point, Ken. I mean, it's so about experimentation right now, and everybody's experimenting. We're all learning how to do it, and there's no no real instruction manual because, like, one word in your prompt can change the output. You just think about search. Like, if I go to Google right now and I ask, you know, is coffee bad for you versus if I ask, is coffee good for you, I'm going to get two different sets of search results, and the same thing applies to chat GPT. So the way we typically think about it is setting the context you know, like what information needs to be, whether it's voice and brand or who's speaking or what you're trying to answer, giving examples of what you expect the output to be, if you can, you know, if you can, because it's machine learning, right? You're trying to give it, this is what I'm looking for. And then what is the actual output? So if we're talking, you know, you want an essay, you want five bullet points, you want, you know, three examples, you need to specifically, if anything, ChatGPT is going to make us all better communicators, I hope, because we all suck at actually like explaining what we want, whether it's from colleagues or, you know, users, consumers, whatever, this really forces you to be literal and be intentional to Ken's point, exactly what you're looking for. And that's, that's one of the best ways that I help, you know, talk to our, our colleagues or clients or whatnot. And Joe, you were nodding away there with quite a bit of what Ken and Garrett was saying. Anything you'd like to add? I think that, yeah, the, the, the point that this is experimental and we're all experimenting and we all, we all are mad scientists here. I think it was Ken that used that terminology, which I, I like. Um, I think for me, though, it's it's leading by example. So my team aren't going to feel comfortable to to spend the time experimenting or to test these theories unless I am. And I think that's what kind of got, got me to kind of jump in headfirst after being quite quite hesitant at first about whether I wanted to implement this as part of our working life and whether I wanted to kind of trust that this would become part of our part of our day-to-day work with you know SEO and digital PR um I think you know talking about sort of students at Lise made that really good point that it's going to be here in the future and people will be left behind um and I don't want my my junior team members to be left behind by a tool that's going to become really integral potentially to SEO and, and digital PR and and potentially digital marketing in general. Um, 
so yeah I, I had to kind of jump in and start using it so that they would feel comfortable that they would feel that it's allowed we're allowed to spend that time and we're allowed to try and, and fail when it doesn't work um and, and, and lastly, that point about it making us better communicators. Um, one of the things that I am trying to get better at with being a leader and and just in my, my personal life and my day-to-day life is being a more effective communicator. Um, whatever role I've done, whether it be a journalist, a PR, a content creator, it, communication is key to that. And anything that can anything that can fine tune my communication to me is, is, is something that I want to be a part of and I want to learn from. So yeah, I really enjoyed that, that, that point. Lovely. Okay. Now, um, as a final question, I'm going to ask everyone, how will chat GTP impact the future of SEO? Um, so you have a minute to think about that, but just before we get to that question, um, Elise, um, just a little thought on, um, how you actually use chat GTP or encourage your students or outsourced workers to use chat GTP. So do you like to give people, um, uh, a set of prescriptions in terms of, um, these are the, the prompts that you should probably use, or do you tend to leave students and outsourced workers to us and see what they come up with so the way i see it is that this type of tool can do a lot of the yeah a lot of the like boring work for us which leaves some computing computational human brain power left for creativity which is what we are good at as humans so I don't give prompts or things to my students because they already have a thousand ideas a second. It's, it goes really fast in those classes. So I just tell them to, well, s- sorry, Gabriella, to throw spaghetti at the wall and see it of sticks, basically. <laughs> Apologies. Um, but just to try it, anything they have them, their mind on, to be creative because using creativity with superpowers just can, can only do good. So. Yeah, that's kind of the way I see it, is just to tell them to try anything they want. And that's the way I see it as well. Anything I have in mind, I've tried doing knitting patterns with ChatGPT. I've tried doing recipes. Ooh. I've tried doing loads of things. Anything that comes to mind, I just try it out and see what happens and see how it behaves and see how I can fine-tune the prompt I'm giving it. So it's more about, yeah, experimenting, being the mad scientist, as everyone said, and which I absolutely love that <laughs> that analogy. and. Um, yeah, remember that it's one tool that can give us give us more time to think about those creative things that we as humans are capable of doing that these tools cannot yet, maybe. We'll see. Well, um, we'll see indeed, because the final question, as I mentioned um, for everyone, is um, how will ChatGPT impact the future of SEO? So let's go back to Garrett for that one. Garrett, um, what's your thoughts? So I think there's two angles that I'm thinking about it. One is a sort of democratization of content creation. If you think like when it comes to image creation, like if you use Midjourney, like I'm not an artist, but I can design all sorts of really cool things all of a sudden. I think for people who aren't necessarily writers by nature, it's an opportunity to to explore their own creativity in a craft that they might not be great at. On the other hand, I think if you are a great writer or a content creator in the context of SEO, you're going to be able to differentiate from everyone who is using the tools, whether it's through, you know, augmenting your own creativity and then just leveling up. But at the same time, EEAT, when it comes to like Google and SEO expertise, experience, authoritativeness, trustworthiness, that's still going to be human. 
I don't think that's going to be, you know, negated by this tool uh, in any time in the near future. So I don't think SEO is dead, but I also don't think that it's 100% roses and rainbows and unicorns. Alize, um, roses, unicorns, SEO is dead, somewhere in between. <laughs> Where do you lie? Um, I, I'm, on, I'm on the unicorn side of things usually, <laughs> just say it like that. Um, I think um, it will change the way we do SEO because it will, well, simplify or um, gain, will gain in productivity on, those, the, on all those tedious tasks and help with uh, creativity, as I mentioned. And I think there's, um, it's also, I think I haven't seen I haven't been SEO for as long as other people in, in this in this uh, in this webinar, but I haven't seen um, the SEO community gathering around the topic as much in a long time, and it feels like we're starting to you know remember that we all had a common goal, and uh, we can all be uh, friends and creative together. I, I told you I'm a unicorn uh, on the unicorn side of things, but I think there's. Yeah, it's been a long time since um, people haven't gathered around a topic as much and found it exciting as much. So I'm very curious to see where everyone's going to take this. I think it was a Not long, long anything. time ago. <laughs> I'm thinking back to 2006 and every SEO jumping on a WordPress plugin called my blog log and everyone getting exceptionally passionate about that but that was a long time ago but i'm sure people have got more passionate about that so other things since then but um ken um what are your thoughts on how chat gpt will impact the future of seo yeah i love uh i love what you just said about being a unicorn i'm very optimistic about technology as well and like i mean I could echo what Garrett said, but I think the two biggest things are one, and I've always said this, that people should always try to find their zone of genius and hang out and play there. And so I think we get so bogged down. I mean, content can be beautiful and more creative typically, but in SEO with like the tactics and none of that ever mattered. It just was gimmicky for a while because you could do it and it kind of worked a long time ago in SEO. But what I would say to people is one, think outside of the tactics and how it can augment your day-to-day workflow to allow you to be creative um, and stay in your zone of genius. That is the ultimate goal, I think, for workers not to take pride in the minutia, even though you have to do that sometimes. It's really those big leaps and creative leaps and bounds. And the second one is um, being expansive in your thinking. So if you're not a coder, and Gabriella, I love how you speak about that, the techies, because I say things like that in my head too, the nerds. But if you're not, think about though, if you have a small business client who's um, you know, in real estate, like I use that example, could they have a tool that could help potential new home buyers in a way that you would have had to not shell out, you know, you can't shell out five grand for a developer, but now you can serve your customers, your users better. So maybe, or Alize, to your point, could you learn something that you couldn't um, as a small business owner or something like that, or an SEO? So um, be expansive in your thinking of what your role is and saying, how can I make my client's experience or the user's experience better? And then the second thing is, how can I get rid of some of these really like you know, detailed tasks that I don't enjoy, but that take up half of my day. So I can really go have fun and stay in my zone of genius. So that's what I'm trying to do every day. And I would encourage everybody to do the same. Lots of nuggets there, uh, Ken. Thank you so much. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on how it's impacting the future of SEO? 
I think uh, what we've established here is you can go very fire and brimstone with this. SEO is dead. It's the end. Or you can be very uh, rainbows, unicorns. Um, I'm going to I'm going to uh, elect to be a rainbow today and uh, chase a unicorn or chase a rainbow. Um, I think that it can be a, an incredibly powerful productivity tool for digital PRs, content creators, SEOs. I think that it can enable us to get down to the meaningful work that we do, the meaningful human element of what we're able to do and spend more time really finessing the the stuff that we're good at. Or as Ken and Elise both said, learning something new, um, you know, getting really involved in learning, you know, new skills and, and, and what it can teach us and, and how it can open up um, our roles and, and what we do. Um, that the points can made about small business owners and the power this puts into their hands, um, you know, or perhaps you know people in you know in developing countries that don't have the money for the kind of seo tools that perhaps we do in the west um you know these tools we all know we spend a lot of money on them um could this democratize things a little more and and open the playground and level those playing fields so yeah interesting to see what what will happen with it wow um Gabriella, Jer, uh, Joe shared fire and brimstone. Um, that's um, yeah. that's just about as bad as it gets. Uh, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you know, I I, I don't want to age myself, but I already have. You know, I started when there was no SEO, so you know, I had to embrace that when Google came out with SEO. Then I had to embrace, you know, the next uh, shiny little tool over here. Then I had to, you know, I don't know how how many times I heard SEO is dead through the years. Um, so as Ken said, uh, you know, SEO is constantly changing and it's probably going to change again. And it's, you know, it's a matter of which way are we going to go with that? It evolves regularly, often fed by uh, technology, uh, by, you know, the latest um, chat GPT, the latest information. So I think a- AI tools like chat GPT uh, will become just an extra tool to put in our, uh, you know, um, I don't know how you say it in, in your farm, in your uh, wheelhouse. Um, so so it, it just is going to be with better data perspective, right? So I used to tell people, oh, it's like throwing a noodle, you know, on a wall, except this time uh, the, it'll be a targeted noodle. It's not just going to be a noodle, right? So those are some wonderful things that I'm excited about. Um, but, um, you know, so... There is a future. It just depends on how uh, you want to use it. Uh, just like anything, you know, uh, uh, we embraced Google and now we're all kind of like, well, Google, maybe Bing is better. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, Bing has been coming out with some pretty interesting things with their little chat GPT, but that's another uh, discussion altogether. But yeah, I do see uh, that many people, uh, you know, are throwing noodles, testing. I love that scientific mad scientist um, um, a comparison because um, it is very much uh, still a new regardless of whether we've been using it for the last year or six months look at look at how SEO has you know moved uh, from you know EAT now to EEAT uh, right it's like we're constantly coming up with new acronyms new this new that ultimately we're trying to help the client period. And if chat GPT is going to help me do that, then let's go with it. Well, it certainly sounds like there's going to be a part two for this discussion. There's so much that can be shared that has been shared. You know, wonderful thoughts um, from um, on our panel here as well. Um, Bago, Ramon, 
is it Daniel Forbearable and um, Final Addiction Rehabs? The names are getting stranger by the minute. Thank you so much for commenting uh, on our YouTube channel um, live. You know, try and ask questions next time if you can. Um, but it's great to have you watching live. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to the Majestic SEO podcast with Garrett. Garrett, um, where can the listener find out more about you and where to find you? Yeah, um, ipolrank.com. You can find me on the Twitters and the LinkedIn's. Uh, just, just name Garrett Sussman. A whole bunch of S's and R's and T's and all that jazz. But Twitter's where I hang out the most. Trying to do the LinkedIn thing, really hard to make it happen. <laughs> Superb. Thanks for coming on, Garrett. And also, Elise. Elise, where can people find you? Uh, same as Garrett, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, using Elise Bodez with a lot of Z's instead of a lot of T's and S's, and. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I have my website, elisebodes.com, if you want to check out what I do. Thank you, Elise. And Ken? Yeah, I mean, type in Ken Magma into ChatGPT and see what happens. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, you can't go. <laughs> LinkedIn is where we hang out. So, Garrett, maybe we can trade tips about Twitter versus LinkedIn. But hit me up anytime. Um, everything I've ever learned is on our in our resource center. So we try to share knowledge openly here at Revenue Zen um, or reach out consultations are always free as they should be. We like to help first and decide if we're a right fit. So reach out and definitely talk to me about chat GPT because it's like one of my favorite topics right now. Thanks so much, Ken and Joe. Um, I can be found on Twitter, although I'm much more professional on LinkedIn, like most people. Uh, I'm usually moaning about the state of British weather on Twitter or the politics in the country at the moment. Um, it's at Joe Marie. That's the French spelling. So M-R, no wait, M-A-R-A-E um, O'Reilly. Um, and that's my at on everything. So you can find me there. Thanks so much for coming on, Joe and Gabriella. Hi, um, you can find me definitely on Twitter. I've been on Twitter since 1909 is what I tell people uh, as a joke. Uh, LinkedIn, I've been trying to start embracing it a little more because, you know, everybody's telling me, well, you need to be more professional. I'm like, Vach, I haven't been professional since 25 years. Why start now? Uh, but you can find me uh, also at level343.com. Um, I do Google my name. Uh, don't put me on chat GPT. I did that and it it made me just do a double take. Who is that person? Because it wasn't me. <laughs> so, uh, but I am going to put Ken's name to see what comes up. Now, now you've got me curious. <laughs> Absolutely and again, thank wonderful you so stuff. much, David. I appreciate well, it. And wonderful chatting with you guys. Thank you everyone for coming on. If you'd like to join us next time, sign up at majestic.com slash webinars. And of course, check out the other series at seoin2023.com. Bye-bye for now.